Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast, where industry leaders share their insights. It's five questions, usually more, in less than nine minutes because hackers never sleep. So let's get to it. Question number one, who are you and what do you do? My name is John Bentley. I'm also known affectionately as the Code Wookie. And uh, I consider myself a traveler and also a guide on the startup journey. I spend a lot of my time working with startups as a founder slash CTO, advisor, primarily in the tech area, and now also a coach for startups. So not to throw you in the spot, first side question, can you do the Wookiee noise? <laughs> not too bad. I went to, uh, I went to Star Wars, uh, the experience, and uh, did that for Chewbacca at the, uh, and uh, got a huge reaction. I've got actually a picture behind me on my desk of me and, and Chewbacca together. At, That's uh, awesome. at, Disney, at Disney, California. Thank you for placating me on that. Question number two, what's the best thing about being a cyber and IT professional? I think the best thing is that you're always learning something new. So there's, a, there's, a, it, there's just always this freshness to it. And it actually makes people on the phone when they don't see me at first, uh, think I'm a lot younger than I am. But the other thing that I've learned is I've become a, uh, a, an elder technologist, um, which isn't hard to do if you survive long enough, um, <laughs> is that uh, you start to appreciate the things that don't change. And you start seeing some of the things that are the same in technology, but maybe done better in the newer versions. So you find that balance. So there's something to always to keep learning. But then as you get older, there's an appreciation that still keeps it fresh. Fair enough. Question number three, I hear from other leaders in our industries that cybersecurity is a top concern. <clears throat> but, but what does that mean, especially as you said, you start to coach people in the startup space? What does that mean to you? I mean, to me, we all know that data is valuable, and that's why security is a concern. There's value in your customer data that you're holding on to, and there's also value in your own company's data. So be, protecting that data has to be front of mind. It's really about vigilance, about always asking the question, am I, am I taking on the responsibility of securing my customer's data and the data that represents the value of my company for myself, for the other investors and other stakeholders, and really just having, having that mindset more than anything else. So you brought up a really interesting point that a number of my guests have started to bring up lately. Does the business need to drive cybersecurity or does cybersecurity need to drive the business? I think like anything else, it's a partnership. Um, a lot of things you need are awareness. So I know that uh, there's been a lot of newer systems where we, we go out and probe and, and ask, uh, see if we can get people to buy it on phishing emails and things like that. Uh, back in the, the old days, um, we used to have these clean desk policies where you just leave papers out so you wouldn't have security. And it wasn't really so much about keeping the desk clean as keeping in mind the fact that you need to have information secured. Uh, I also think the business leaders sometimes can help, having them help understand and quantify what the risks are, help to justify the expense and focus spent on security technology. So here's question number four, and it's the meaty question. What insight do you want to share with our viewers? Uh, one of the things that I think as technologists we tend to do is we focus so much on technology. We don't always appreciate the fact that a lot of the problems we're having and a lot of the solutions are not, um, are, are not necessarily technology-based. 
They're more based in our culture. Uh, one of the insights I've had the last couple of years has been that, uh, that technology is a product of a culture. Um, whether you're creating, um, you know, you look back in, in, in ancient history, we, we find lots of pottery, lots of everyday items, works of art, music that's been handed down, and the stories and those kind of things. But anything that's created is created by a culture, and that's created by the people in the organization. So if your products, you know, if you want security in your products, if you want stability and performance and features, you have to be building the culture to do that. Um, in the startup space, we also have the problem of uh, we tend to start to hire before we plan anything else and really become that people driven. And people are important, but I, I try to teach startups that people are so important that you need to prepare for them. So looking at your priorities, your products and your processes and setting up a landscape then lets the people come in and really build out the culture, but you kind of lay out a skeleton. So if you want more secure systems, you have to build security into your culture. Uh, if you want better performance, you have to put it into your culture. There's a great thing, uh, Conway's Law, that talks about how organizations tend to um, mirror uh, their communication paths. So and we build organizations organically and they change as the people come in. Uh, we need to be a little less organic and a little more intentional to create those right type of structures. The, the other thing I found is that in building software, if you go and look at how the team operates, you'll get more of an insight into the uh, into what you're going to find in the technology than if you look at the diagrams, documentation, and intent and intentions of people, because because again, your structure reinforces all of that. Uh, your product team creates your product experience. And your company as a whole creates your customer experience. And if you're not structured to reinforce that, you're going to miss the mark. I can't speak enough to the power of culture. So I appreciate that. And I know, I know a lot of the people that, that, that listen to these hear the same message about how important people are, but not a lot of people have used that word yet. And so I appreciate that a lot. I think that's a strong word and a strong message. I do want to pull a, a thread before we get to the final question, because I know, I know you're doing some, some startup coaching, like you mentioned earlier on. What are a few things that you see across all the startup folks that you're working with, you know, that you think, you know, would be a good message to them to say, hey, you know, just be mindful of this. I, I think especially getting started early stage, there's a rush to MVP, because these days you have to have an MVP and some traction to even get funding. But before right. you do that, the, it's more important before you have a product, you have an idea. And so it, it great, uh, getting yourself really grounded in the customer's perspective, actually talking to who your customers are and understanding the problem, the pain and the benefits in their language, and then getting that idea expressed in their language and refined based upon that is very important. I actually coined something I call the micro viable offering to counter the micro, uh, the uh, minimum viable product uh, in that you actually do something much smaller that can create a transaction. And if you can do that, you can get validation a lot faster and a lot more cost effectively. Very interesting. I hope a, a number of folks reach out to you and, and, and pick your brain on that because as someone who has created a startup, I know <clears throat> we tried to build stories to build the MVP. And that was a great way for us to move forward. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're offering up. So totally appreciate that. 
Fun question, last question. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? This is an old process that we used to use uh, called faxing a file. And that is where you had two PCs that had fax modems and you use the fax protocol to fax the file. The reason I like it so much was um, the thing that fax was good at doing was when it was going over phone lines was adjusting to the quality of the line. Whereas a data connection would always just make a decision. So the line got better, it would stay slow. If the line got worse, you would lose the connection. So faxing the file married the fax's ability to step up and down the speed of the connection with doing something else that you wouldn't expect, which is sending data files. Interesting. That's the first time anyone's brought that up. And I hadn't even think about that. So appreciate that. John, you did it. We appreciate you being on the show. Everyone remember his nickname is Code Wookie. That's what we love to hear. And we love the personality. Everyone, please take a look at CyberPro Podcast. It was epic having you on. And it's awesome to see everyone out there. Thank you, John. Thank you.